Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's it's the the way the way it's remaking the space for artists and musicians. That's really really exciting because of the we all know that the the old story of the broke musician that sold you know however many platinum albums, but they but the, yet they're still living very much hand to mouth. They have to tour into their you know twilight years, and they're out there seventy years old, rocking it rocking it still. And you're like, wait a minute, do, do you, are you doing this because you want to or because you're because ha you have to, you know? Welcome to Specific Knowledge, Philosophy for the New Wave. I'm your host, Evan Marty. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring how people coordinate and build a new dynamic world where knowledge is distributed and ephemeral. With a focus on creative destruction and the role of blockchain as a decentralizing technology, we discuss new ways to reimagine and reshape the current social order. I'm joined by my two friends, Lucas and Ryan, who are experts in their own field. This is the first episode of Specific Knowledge, and the topic today is NFTs, or non-fungible tokens. All right. Hey, welcome, guys. How are you doing? Oh, doing good. How are you, Devin? Doing well, Devin. Thanks for having us, brother. Yeah, no, hey, this is uh, going to be very exciting. Um, Lucas, Ryan, would you guys uh, want to introduce yourselves a little bit? Um, you know, tell the people who you are, how you met, and uh, what your interest is in this space. Most definitely. So my name is Ryan, uh, Ryan McGoy. I uh, live in, in Texas, Houston, in the Houston area. I've uh, spent, I guess, the last, since roughly since around 2006, I've been fascinated with economics, uh, went, went to the University of Houston and uh, got a degree and spent a lot of time focusing on markets, uh, monetary theory, prices and knowledge, and, uh, and how, with a particular emphasis on how order and equilibrium can come about without or through the unguided uh, interaction of a, of a bunch of different uh, people, just we're trying to, you know, get make their uh, make their lives, try to make their way in the world, and how and how top down central planning, uh, you know, kind of was an inefficient substitute. And this, so that was a, a big focus: individual individualism and the importance of markets and context for order. And I got to meet an awesome friend, uh, Lucas, in in school and shared these ideas we found we had a lot of commonalities in austrian economics and in the liberty movement and we uh got to grow and go go to mises university and and do all kinds of different things and later on we took these economic ideas and brought them into a uh a cryptocurrency uh consulting and an outreach program called wise beyond bitcoin and uh, so that's my background lucas yeah that's um uh that 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 sums it up but that sums up for me too, right there. No, uh, I, I, you know, actually around the same time, we did have a parallel path on studying economics and markets around 2006, I was getting out of the Marine Corps infantry and I was starting to go to college, but during the Marine Corps uh, on ship, I was reading books by Thomas Sowell and, and other, uh, writers that challenged my understanding of, of what was the cause of problems in, in resource allocation and markets. So going to school, um, yeah, I, I eventually uh, got not bored, but um, not satisfied with business school and, and moved over to economics to focus on the theory and understanding how things worked. And that's where I, uh, I met Ryan and our passion for studying those thinkers of the Austrian economic uh, philosophy it was more for understanding how things worked 
and going to any source of information that would get us there. And uh, if the books were in school or weren't in school, then it didn't matter. It was just trying to understand, uh, come to some answers, a consistent, you know, uh, logical, consistent framework that we could uh, look at the world through. So, uh, yeah, we we met at, at at University of Houston and in, in a class where the moment he opened his mouth and, and answered a question, I knew, OK, that I, I should be sitting next to that guy right there. And we've pretty much been friends ever since. And we've continued to study uh, economics and, and markets and just had a passion for this even after we graduated. And we actually we actually taught not taught, but uh, hosted a couple seminars at U of H, one at the Honors College and one of the economics department to talk about blockchain. Uh, when was it? 2017? Yeah, 2017 or 18. Yeah. So um, j- just to just to kind of get the word, we've really been passionate about under teaching and understanding the, the, the knowledge side, not the, hey, you can get rich quick sites like, yeah, that's exciting in a new market, but it's really understanding the potential that this technology has and um, and yeah, the 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 creative destruction, the displacement—that's uh, all part of it. So, yeah, I think it's the knowledge and the the education, uh, or the desire to educate um, people on this knowledge that we've learned is the thing that really brought us together. Um, I myself have written a book on decentralized, you know, ethos, uh, decentralized organizations, and how to um, succeed in in these newer foundations of. Uh, you know, going to work and being told, hey, here's a lot of autonomy. Oh, how do you succeed in an organization like that? So uh, I, I think we all share uh, a, a very deep and, and um, we, we love Friedrich Hayek. Oh, yeah, that's a commonality. Um, and if you guys would want to you know, touch on Hayek a little bit, I think uh, you're the ones to probably do it. Yeah, well, um, Hayek is known for his great paper called The Use of Knowledge in Society uh, was published in the late 40s. And he was basically elaborating on a, an argument that Mies, Ludwig von Mises had made a few decades earlier. And it created a big dust up between the, the socialist and the, and the market socialists and even the neoclassical economists on, who were model builders. All of them had a formal uh, mathematical approach to economics, and they they believed in their their models to be, which were simple, which were not based on realistic um, assumptions, but they were based on overly um, mathematical and unrealistic assumptions. And the theory was, well, if the predictions that are yielded by the unrealistic assumptions hold or are consistent with what we see in reality, then we will ignore the unrealism and just go with it because it's a tool. And Hayek. Uh, was a critic of this. He thought that these these models gave the planners a false sense of of um, efficacy, and he pointed out that in reality, <clears throat> it was a it was the price system and and the and the uncourt and the coordination that comes about through the unplanned interactions of all these different people selling, buying, uh, being entrepreneurs, starting businesses, failing, and all the discovery that came about through that interaction. And how that was the chief, um, that's where the important data that the economy needed to make, to, to coordinate was at. And it wasn't in a planner bureau and it wasn't in a, a scientific um, formula and it couldn't be determined by, by a, a technocratic elite sitting in a, an office somewhere with a calculator and a spreadsheet. It, it was, there was, there was knowledge embedded 
on the ground in in the price system and in and in an entrepreneur's heads and in consumers heads and in and workers heads that was not able to be extracted and and just and, and made into a made something that a hierarchy could just access at will it was embedded in 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 the context of the of the of the entire framework of society and after his paper the question shifted from how do we uh, maximize uh, the use of 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 known of, for known ends, and it became how do we discover the things that we don't even understand that people want? So it 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 shifted from a, a simple maximization problem to a, a problem of acquiring knowledge and learning and and uh, transmitting knowledge and making use of dis decentralized knowledge. And so Hayek was kind of like the first of of a complexity, a, a fir the first. Um, main major thinker to, to engage in complexity economics. Yeah. And it's all about uh, internal feedback systems. And, and I, I think if we're to connect this to blockchain and to cryptocurrency um, it, it, right now, there are so many people who have never gotten the chance in history to, to experiment with monetary policy, but now we're able to. And what this is, is it's a, uh, a societal social listening where, where feedback is being, sent back up the chain to not even that a chain exists, but well, I guess a blockchain exists, but, but the information, the social listening of people building what they want to build um, and the things that turn out, you know, that people like that, well, that that's how it you know ends up that this is the, the world we're creating. This is the monetary policy we're creating. And it's all done through a system of feedback. And I think that is the yeah. basis uh, of kind of what we're going to talk to uh, talk about today. So if we want to move into the main topic, which is... Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Let's go on. Cool. Uh, so what we want to discuss today for kind of the inaugural episode of this podcast is NFTs. Uh, I think they're kind of just the hottest term right now when it comes to cryptography, when it comes to blockchain. Um, it, it's the one that, I mean, say cryptocurrency people, eh, they, they cringe a little or they, they whatever. They, you know, maybe just don't know enough about it. You say NFT though, it's like, okay, this, you know, you're cool. You know, you're doing NFTs. You know, that's, I'm down. Yeah, it's a hot, it's a hot <laughs> Absolutely. Right now. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about an NFT. Um, do you guys, I know you know a lot about it. If someone here is, is new to crypto and blockchain and NFTs, how would you describe it to them? Well, I would say um, first, what a non-fungible token, what separates that from other uh, blockchain or cryptocurrency, right? What uh, the fungible variety. If you have dollars in your pocket and you don't mind switching out a dollar for a dollar, they're one and the same. They're fungible, right? Same thing with Bitcoin. If you exchange a Bitcoin, a Bitcoin for a Bitcoin is the same. They're not tattooed uh, one to be separate from the other. Um, so what the non-fungible token ecosystem is saying, hey, we can use this same decentralized ledger secured technology um, to, to secure fungible, non-fungible tokens, things like titles and deeds, right? Things like identification, things that you want to be one uh, unique. Unique. Things unique, things that are unique. That's why you see art um, has been the first um, digital art, crypto punks, things that look silly, but have sold for lots of lots and lots of money. And many people don't understand why. Well, the reason why is, is not because that artwork is so valuable per se. It's because it represents the first iteration of this new technology. So what I was saying like deeds, right? A deed to your car or a deed, a, a, a title to your car or a deed to your home. 
that is unique to that property to that and if and if this started being secured on the blockchain instead of through a title company right just like we're talking about moving away from banks and financial intermediaries the same way blockchain and cryptocurrency can can obfuscate financial intermediaries that we're used to having nfts can is blockchain technology obfuscating other intermediaries this is this that's the whole beautiful thing about blockchain is that it's not just money and banking we're talking about whole markets whole economies being changed in in a more coordinated in a more efficient way so we're talking about um not having title companies and um having to hire to go do the background check and make sure that it's not bad because and you got to do it every time but no because this is on the blockchain this is non-fungible this represents it's already been done you know so it's, ver it's verified it's That's verified right. right so um it, and, and then there's identification um i mean there's a whole host it's not just art there, there's a whole host of things that people uh, tickets tickets uh for for shows People are uh, using it for 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 concerts and, and things like that. So, uh, I mean, the sky's the limit, really. Uh, it's just really our imagination. It's just the beginning. That's what's so fun about seeing these new uh, pr projects pop up. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It's it's the the way the way it's remaking the space for artists and musicians. That's really really exciting because of the we all know that the the old story of the of the the uh, poor or the broke musician that sold you know however many platinum albums but they but the, yet they're still very uh very, you know living very much hand to mouth they have to tour into their you know twilight years and they're out there 70 years old rocking it rocking it still and you're like wait a minute do you, are you doing this because you want to or because you're because you have to you know and or do you need to keep the bills paid is it how why, why aren't you rich if you've made all this fantastic art that's enriched all these people and the story is well there's been some bad really bad deals made and the distributors and the labels have and have a history of of uh taking the, the majority of the money that these that these art artists are generating and this, so they have to keep producing and just keep and it's they stay on the wheel and this this um this nft revolution is helping to to create tokenized royalties so you, that you can have a you, you can create your own you can create your art put it out there tokenize it and then control the royalties sell the royalties you know cash in on on that on the value of those future those future flows of, of income and you can make money today off your art and if it's something that people care about you will you will be rewarded uh you know very well and it's in a way that the, that the labels would have no interest in 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 rewarding artists and musicians so it's it's another example of getting rid of gatekeeping and uh, helping to decentralize uh, markets and industries that bef that have, have a history of being foreclosed to the to the very to the workers or to the to the people who supply the labor and and for who who's rewarded it's it's usually a small group of people that are you know the the the, the investors or the the owners and and of course they have a right to make money but they don't have a right to make money in perpetuity because there's there, there markets churn competition just uh, undermines profits and all all profits tend, tend to go to zero in the long run right so this is this is just another iteration of that creative destruction uh process that we love to talk about so much i, I want to get your guys opinions why do you think this started this great technology that we're talking about non-fungible tokens nfts um 
we're going to go into the future of it soon here, but why do you think it started with art? Oh, well, the, um, the fact I think it's that art it's is so easiest. Easy, yeah, so I was going to go to go ahead, look. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just think it's because it was the easiest to the. I mean, if you look at the the first the first I would say company, but it was if I believe engine, E N J I N engine coin. They um, came. They were born out of an ICO of 2017, and they're one of the top NFT gaming whatever platforms built on Ethereum right now. They're the ones who wrote the ER721 smart contract that people use. So. It originally was to be created as a piece of art, like it could be uh, for a video game, like this could be a shield or a sword or something in World of Warcraft or in other these other where there's only 50 items that exist in the world. And they and, and you know, but but then once that contract was made, people saw how you could use it to make other art and it's all secured by the same blockchain. So. I think it was because it was the easiest way to show. I, I think it was just because it was the first, you know, it's like, well, I see that you have a house with walls and a roof, but why did you start with the foundation? I was like, well, I mean, we kind of had to put that down first before we could build this other stuff. It's a, it's because really what would a title be? It's the same thing. It's artwork, but it's artwork that's highly secured to other, you know, to yeah, some yeah. other system. I think it made proof of concept. It, that, that's kind of what it achieved. It, it proved the concept and in a way that was relatively easy because art is, it's just a serious, it's, it's, I mean, I guess you could have done music as well or an audio, like a, a GIF or a video or the, anything that was easy to, to capture and digitize visually would have been, would have been suitable or, or that would have been something that you could have digitized on the blockchain right so you would need i guess a title i mean it, you could have like you say you could have gone in many directions but art just feels intuitive yeah and they, if they've done so much with it um i mean when you talked about video games there imagine being banned from a game that you really like and you worked you know many many hours for that sword or, or whatever it is you know right now that's lost cause um, but what this represents is, well, that sword to someone might be worth 50 bucks. I could, you know, profit from what I, you know, what, what the work I put in actually has something that came out of it, uh, which is really unique. And then you've seen, you know, people take it further with, you know, NBA Top Shots has actually sold parts of their game uh, where you now are the, I don't know if it's owner of that, you know, section of the game, but you are, you can trade it. It's it's a marketplace where you, that has value to some people. So I think the the proof of art, um, you know, aspect to NFTs is is was a very yes, like you said, simple place to start, good way to show it. But what what are some of the ways that people are taking this now uh, and evolving it? Well, I mean, I have a shame. I have a shameful and shameless plug. If you go to Apocalypse Art Club dot com apocalypseartclub.com it's an artist that i've been collaborating with um i met him through a very close friend and he's actually uh been working with uh schools and, and helping children overseas and he's also been making digital art for like 20 to 30 years and he's just something he has a passion for it's very spiritual it's very beautiful um and 
and he was learning about NFTs and how this stuff works. And he's just recently got his, he's just recently minted NFTs with his artwork and it's actually on OpenSea. You can go, he's got his own channel on OpenSea where he's already minting NFTs. But the cool thing that I've been kind of collaborating with him and, and, and what he's doing that's beautiful and unique is that not only is he creating this world that has that people who have his nfts can kind of participate in like with the with the artwork like it's going to be its own uh kind of not a video game but kind of its own kind of uh an ecosystem that people can can go into but it's also everyone who who uh buys the artwork every time it's uh, transacted and sold that purchase a portion goes to a charity goes to uh fund uh you know this school that helps these children and and in the future it could be changed to different charities but uh, i love the concept of having your artwork being used to change the world you know and that's uh, a lot of what his work has been full time and then his art has just been in the background and now being able to put the art out there and and bring it to life so that is an example of how artwork can be used to actually do something because now we're talking about um, it being art, but also being used to donate money to a good cause. And now you can have philanthropists who are buying art just because they want to donate the money to a good cause and have the piece of art to say, Hey, look, you know, I mean, for whatever the reason, which is cool. I mean, that's what we, that, that, that's, that's great. And, um, and also audio, I was going to mention when Ryan was talking about musicians, because it made me think audio chain, audio chain.io. I, uh, on clubhouse met the founder of that, which is going to be launching in August, I believe. And that's, uh, pioneering what we were talking about, uh, which is audio, uh, NFTs for musicians to, to protect them and their royalties and, and to give them a direct relationship with their, um, with their, with their peeps. With their fans i like the i like the the um the element of that that's based that where you get to pool your pool your resources and support uh other other char uh, charities or we could see this you know spilling over into mutual aid groups and i know one of the things we like talking about is how to decentralize the social safety net right so we have right now we live under uh, what well, we have we ha and we enjoy uh this very centralized safety net right it's tax funded and there's a uh, top-down distribution of benefits and you know you qualify or you don't and different people have different opinions on whether it's too generous or not generous enough and you know and, and there's room for disagreement on that but one of the ways to move past that kind of that roadblock on, on, on that and the politics of it is to think of ways to build these systems ourselves such they such that they reflect our own our own preferences in our communities and and, and not have to we're not building one size fits all systems right that doesn't that's that's the idea the decentralizing alternative right well nfts are definitely a pathway to that you know you could see how you know a, a non-fungible token would be unique to to an individual or a family and that and that could give them access to a certain tier of benefits or whether that's unemployment insurance or uh, food you know food help housing help with housing or help with food or help with bill, medical bills you could organize various uh, mutual aid groups and have certain stand uh, requirements of the members and then in different tiers and you could have different tokens that, that would match that and you know you, you could use nfts to to kind of like uh, bootstrap a, a, a bottom-up welfare system that would be 
reflective of all the different values and preferences people have and not just be a one size fits all thing. So that's just another example of where I would like to see blockchain and crypto go. Very well put. I think something we were talking about earlier today was um, a company called Drop. They were transitioning um, NFTs, or I should say wrapping NFTs in a DeFi contract. Um, For those of you who don't know what DeFi means, it's just decentralized finance. Uh, This has to do with cryptocurrency and blockchain that is dedicated primarily to uh, enhancing or replicating financial tools, traditional financial tools onto blockchain. Uh, and there's, there's a, it's a whole, it's a huge, almost uh, almost trillion dollar industry, I would say, if you um, count all the things that are built, being built right now and, and uh, already are being used today. Uh, but the idea is wrapping an NFT, something that is, again, fungible or non-fungible, sorry, that really doesn't have a market value, I guess you would say, unless someone else is willing to pay more for it. How did, how do you, how does that work? Can you guys elaborate a little more? I think I could come up with a decent explanation on this. So, cause, cause that's like heavy concepts, right? Wrapped, uh, Very, a, a, wrap, yeah. a wrapped NFT. I mean, what an NFT versus decentralized finance on its own, what, what separates an ERC 20 versus an ER. C721. And that's basically what we're talking about. So decentralized finance, at least for on Ethereum, I'm going to assume we're talking about Ethereum right now, since most NFTs at the moment are built on Ethereum. Um, so an NFT is a is a different code of contract built off of Ethereum, right? It's an ERC721 instead of an ERC20. And decentralized finance, where you have uh, all of those tokens, they're built on ERC20. So decentralized finance on Uniswap or all these exchanges, SushiSwap, they all operate on ERC20 tokens. So the concept of wrapping NFTs so that they can join DeFi is basically um, taking them off of the 721, you're not really taking them off, but you're creating a copy of them off of the 721 and you're moving it onto the ERC20 network so that it can be traded and moved about with all of the other ERC20 contracts. Is it a good way to say that uh, like bridge, a bridge? It's kind of a bridge. It's kind of a bridge. It's allowing for uh, two things that normally don't roll together i was thinking like if you have cars on the freeway and then you got a bike lane you're riding a bike but uh uh you could you could put the bike on a on a car rack <laughs> you know i don't know and then and then when you get your spot you can take it off the, the car rack and you get your nft you know so however, however you got to do it that's hilarious and brilliant because <laughs> the kinda- visual the visual works the yeah. visual works, right? You got cars, yeah. which are ERC-20s, and people are exchanging ERC-20s. And then you got bikes, which you can buy this really unique special bike, right? But uh, um, but bikes can't be on the freeway lane, right? But what you can do is you can take a bike and you can you can wrap it on a car rack and, it, <laughs> and then let it trade around with all the others, you know? Yeah, and so what this is allowing people to do is, you know, I have this thing that's worth to some people, like a um, CryptoPunk, $20,000 maybe. Well, how do I, without liquidating that, without trading that to someone and losing my perhaps upward potential, you know, whatever value you see in that in the future, without losing that, how can I spend it or or use it? And I think a big part is people being able to collateralize their NFTs and, and to borrow against it. Um, and there are different ways, different um, 
know, new DeFi solutions that are coming up with, again, solutions to, to solve this problem uh, and to allow a whole market of people who have been trading these things, uh, these NFTs for, you know, many months now to actually be able to spend them in a way or share them uh, if, if they do default on their loans. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting idea, uh, concept that's going to, I think, rocket this, uh, this ship back into the stratosphere. It's, um, I know we had last summer, it took off uh, for sure. Um, and now it's going to be even more, um, uh, the foundation's built is what I'm trying to say. Yes, indeed. I, I think the idea about being able to stake and yield farm NFTs is that's really cool. And the fact that Drop has this on the Polygon network, we, uh, we, to, we won't be talk about at Polygon. Crazy. Talk about Polygon. Okay, yeah, for those who don't know, it's a layer two uh, scaling solution, um, and it you can tr Polygon makes it possible for you to uh, do really quick transactions with almost. It's really cheap. It's less than a cent, generally speaking, on the network. And you can uh, you can bridge off the Ethereum network onto the Polygon network in a similar way that we were discussing NFTs and um, and the DeFi world, right? And there's a make that bridge, and then you're you're into this you're in this world where you can do all the, you can engage in the in different DeFi contracts, different and different uh, whether it's yield farming or staking or just just buying various uh, various assets, and you can do so on their on their uh, network and not pay the the crazy gas fees that you're going to get on us that you often get on ethereum yeah for those of you not familiar um ethereum if you are on coinbase or something like right now um coinbase will charge their own fees because it's kind of a closed system when it's a centralized exchange like coinbase when you explore the decentralized um crypto blockchain space uh on, you know let's talk about ethereum right now when you explore Ethereum and you have a non-custodial wallet, um, the most common, I believe, are Trust Wallet or MetaMask, um, you get to this point where there are actual transaction fees that are paid to uh, currently miners. Um, you've, we've all heard that term. Uh, those are people who are supporting the network by running the computers. Uh, that's going to change here soon for Ethereum, but right now that's the fee structure. And um, those fees can be anywhere from I've seen $6 yesterday and then I saw $140 today. So it uh, does fluctuate wow. rapidly. Yeah. Um, and that's what a layer two solution like Polygon is um, so popular right now for. And I, I imagine it, it takes a lot of the weight off uh, off of the Ethereum network. And um, it's just, it, it's probably part of the future of where this next um, next few years are going um, when it comes for to sure. all this DeFi, DeFi activity. Yeah, that's one that brings up a point that uh, we like to talk about, Lucas and myself. That the maximalist approach to, to crypto is is really misguided because as more and more of the, the population onboards, we're going to need all of these all these solutions. We're going to need second layer solutions. We're going to need the, the main chains to be innovating and to rolling to be upgrading. Like we have an ETH is upgrading in the middle of upgrading right now, and uh, but though but it's not going to be a matter of pick pick the one that's going to dominate. It's a matter of pick the pick the, the basket that's going to be around because we're going to need because all of these projects that are that are sound are going to have a place. There's going to be a lot of demand uh, and volume going through these markets, and and so this is a supply and demand story. So as the demand for the network goes up, the cost is to use the network is going to go up, and it's not going and it's going to go up uh, exponentially at, because we're still 
in the middle of, of just beginning to onboard the, the entire economy, right? Onto this, onto this new, into this new world. So yeah, it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a lot of data flowing through those systems and you're going to, it's going to be expensive and there'll be a role for all these second layer solutions to kind of offset that. Yeah. Well said. Let's, br- let's bring this back to NFTs just to kind of close out. I know we're getting close to the, um, the half hour mark and okay. Where did, where does this go? Not in the near future, but 10 years from now, how are, how are NFTs creating jurisdictional choice? How are they uh, creating identities or, or let's, let's, let's talk about that a little, Ryan, if you'd want to start or, or Lucas. Okay. Yeah, I can start and we'll have, and I know Lucas has a lot to say, so I'll uh, cede that to him in a minute, but so, yeah, I mean, broadly speaking, uh, NFTs will be will be opening up the ability to to replace some of the services and um, some of the verification services we expect from courthouses, uh, driver's licenses, uh, whether it's identity courthouses with deeds and homes, titles to vehicles, anything that has a unique um, a unique identifier to it, and it it, it, ref- it corresponds to unique property in the world assets and then and, it, and there needs to be a person who has a claim on it that can be that they can tie to that to those assets uh, nfts will be a solution for that and and we've in the past we've turned to third parties we've turned to notaries and courthouses and and organs of government and all of that is served as well but it's but it's also fragile and it, and it also requires trust you know and and faith and and in, in the in the people manning those systems and, and the because whole- there's because I'm just you Go said ahead. that just, there's been corruption. Anytime you have people in charge and centralized positions of power, there's there's corruption and, and issues that go along with that, you know. Yes, and so this is a way of of um, you know replacing those third parties, minimizing the amount of trust necessary in the system, and automating the verification of 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 these claims, people and their claims to the to the assets or whatever. It's a way of verifying those claims without having to trust a third party and to re- refer back to their record keeping. It's a way of, we're going to keep our own records and we're going to do it in a way that's not uh, fraudulent. It's not capable of being hacked, not capable of being um, you know, uh, censored. And, it, and it's going to be a truth-telling device. So it's not capable of, of being um, you know, lied to. It's, it, tells, it, it, it tells the truth. And... And so to have that uh, that in in a technology, and not having to, to not have to rep- to trust people and just to be able to trust a tool, that's that's an innovation and that's a step towards uh, a freer, more um, more harmonious world. If um, and, and Lucas, I'll let you uh, uh, chime in in a second. Um, but to to piggyback off of that, something if you guys listen to the um, the recent uh, Charles Hoskinson um, podcast on Lex Freeman's show. Um, it's like five hours long. So, you know, if you do get a chance, give it a listen because it's remarkably um, educational, especially if you're new to crypto. But something he touched on is, and something they're doing, I believe right now in Ethiopia is uh, called a DID, a decentralized ID. And um, what this would maybe allow someday, well, what it allows, you know, in the here, near future is I can prove I have this degree. I can prove I'm this person. Um, and it, it's going to be great for, uh, labor forces and and it's just living in societies. Um, but but maybe someone is traveling abroad, and they get hurt, and they need medical 
paperwork or, or just medical stuff from their doctor in their country. And uh, how how do how does the doctor in their country know that the doctor in the other country is is telling the truth that they're trying to get their real medical records? Like this is what this is part of what that helps solve. Um, that you can have specific parts of your medical records sent to people in a trustless way. That means that that could save your life. That's a remarkable innovation. Indeed. That's a good point. Very much. Um, that's beautiful. That's huge. And I, and part, I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, Ryan. I, you know, I just, that, that point of eliminating the need for third parties, that it's, it's huge because um, it's, this is like talking about eliminating counterfeit and money. I mean, counterfeit has gone around for so long. You have whole organizations dedicated to finding counterfeiters and counterfeiting, uh, counterfeited money wastes about a, a huge amount of resources. But uh, NFTs basically omit the counterfeiting of documents, an ID, a license, a deed. So it's it's taking that to another uh, place in the market. And that's, that's huge because now all those institutions that we used to have to spend a lot of energy and resources to prop them up just to make sure things weren't being counterfeited. We don't need it anymore. Go do something yeah. else. We're good to go. And I would go one more layer on that. Um, it's a, it's not an optimistic thing. It's not necessarily pessimistic either. It's just the way things are, but there's a lot of political changes occurring in, in society and, and instability and, and faith in, in democracy and faith in elections and faith in, the institutions that have historically been seen as uncorruptible in our culture, they've, they've now become questioned. The FBI, the intelligence communities, the police, I mean, every, it's Congress, you can't name the courts. There's nothing that's not been uh, questioned. And so in that environment, the political risk of, an, of, of some, some populist or some demagogue coming to power and then and wanting to use the, the old the old organs of the government for their own personal ends, like the old Louis the Fourteenth ideas. I am the state, right? Well, if if we ever get a demagogue in office who wants to become the state and have it be his personal tool, then your deed at the courthouse or your title to your whatever assets or your or fill in the blank, right? These things are no longer as secure as they were because with the end of it, we're still trusting that the system is is manned by people who have good intentions and who want to do the right by everybody. But the moment that's not the case and uh, some sort of a, 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 some sort of an other, some other goal becomes, becomes more important, whether you're trying to silence political opposition or whatever, you look at other countries, the freedoms of speech, freedom of, of, uh, of, of the press, freedom of, of just to have a, a money that doesn't, isn't destroyed. All these freedoms are, can be, can be shaken very quickly and they aren't they aren't they aren't permanent and they shouldn't be assumed just to be just to be in, incorruptible and even in even in a, the beacon of, of democracy and liberty in the west these things are starting to show as being a threat right so this is all to say being able to have the records and 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 these and these titles secured in a way that's not open to those threats that's that's a great thing well, I think this has been a great overview um, of you know, blockchain in general, but specifically NFTs and, and where the future of NFTs is going. Um, you know, there will be surprises. Uh, we will see t technologies that utilize non-fungible tokens and, and blockchain that I'm sure none of us can, can even imagine. Um, but 
in the next 10 years, I think all this is, is feasible to have medical records, voting, uh, driver's license, like you name it. Uh, and we did <laughs> name it throughout, but um, it, it's going to be a very powerful and empowering uh, and harmonious, as you guys like to say, future for the world. And it's a, it's a great technology, a decentralizing technology and a, a, an ethical and equitable technology that is, is here to stay. Um, you know, being open source, you, you can't really get rid of it. So um, it, any closing notes uh, from the two of you? Yeah, I would say this is not financial advice, just uh, just uh, <laughs> educational information, you know? Always. Uh, I, I, but I love everything you said, brother, because that's what it's about. It's about understanding how this technology can make the world a better place. That's what got us so excited about this, is, yeah. is seeing the potential of, oh, well, these institutions that, we're, that we have that we're using, we can see where they may have been the best that we had up until this point, but there's clearly some pitfalls, some corruption, some shortcomings. And we have this new technology that for those of us who've been around the space and are aware of how it works, we can see clearly how this fixes the holes in the boat. You know, we're like, okay, no, this is definitely a good thing for all of us. Even if you lose your job due to creative destruction, you're going to be better off with the whole world around you. Well said. Well, thanks for having us. And um, we, I, we always love talking about decentralization and, and blockchain and technological evolution and, and how that is going to help us to bridge into a new world, imagine a new world. So it's a wonderful discussion. I uh, know we'll have a lot to say about this going forward. Look forward to speaking with you guys in, uh, in the coming weeks and uh, hopefully, you know, in perpetuity. So uh, thank you guys for coming on today and um, we'll, we'll see you next week. Look forward to it, brother. Thank you. Bye.